Welcome in Rose City to Soccer Made in Portland. I'm Ryan Clark, joined today by a special guest, Ned Grabavoy, General Manager of the Portland Timbers. Ned, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks a lot, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, so let's just start right out with some questions here. Uh, looking back on the team's recent performances, uh, a 2-1 to loss to Tigres in the League's Cup group stage, followed by a 1-0 loss in the knockout round to Monterey, both I think strong performances for, for the club, um, you know, just looking ahead to, to the regular season as that gets, gets back going here in a couple of weeks. Um, what was your perspective on, on those performances and, and kind of what the team was able to put together despite the, the results? Yeah, I think those two games, you know, I would also probably group in uh, the two, the two other games right before that with San Jose in, in the first game in the league's cup you know, in Columbus and in, in our last home match, you know, prior to entering League's Cup, where I, th- I think you started to see a stronger team and a, a, a more balanced, uh, you know, group from, from us without question. I think there's probably a number of reasons for that. I think health, you know, of players and having a majority of the roster, uh, you know, for, for Geo to use and, and having options and, and competition driven within the squad um, is a really big factor in that. Um, I still think at times, and you probably saw it more in those big matches against Monterey and Tigris, which I thought were very, very good games, hopefully for viewers to watch as well. But there's still those small moments where we're lacking the ability to just put it all together, you know, and I think that's what sometimes the margins can be incredibly small. And I think for us right now, you know, that's uh, kind of sometimes the issues where we'll get a strong performance, but not that complete performance to ultimately, you know, lead us to really strong um, results. And and obviously Tigris and Monterey, two really, really good clubs, um, two great rosters and strong opponents. Um, I do think we can use that as a a confidence builder for us going forward that we can compete with teams like that and look the way that we did in those matches. Right. And, you know, maybe seizing that momentum and trying to to make a run here in these last few games uh, to make it into the playoffs, obviously expanded playoffs in, in MLS this year with nine teams. Um, is the feeling right now that, that this team can can make that run really only three points out of the uh, off the playoff line, I should say? Um, you know, what what's the, the feeling as far as is making that potential run? Yeah, I don't think that the, the belief you know, and that has faded from, from anyone, players or staff. Uh, we still have a task at hand. Um, you know, obviously reaching the playoffs or just limping into the playoffs. Uh, there's different ways of getting in, right? So I think we want to try to build momentum, um, you know, and ultimately do something uh, as we hopefully get into the playoffs and then look to, to make a run from there. Um, you know, so for us, I, I still think that the belief is there. We've got players back and healthy. I do think we've made some additions to try to strengthen the group as much as we can, both short and long-term. But as you can see in the remaining games, the mathematics comes into play, you know, and so we need to start to grab the points, uh, you know, that are necessary. And I, I look at the next three-game stretch, first one being on the road and then the next two, two, two being at home, I believe. You know, we've got to pick up points in those games and start to build up momentum and really go forward. We, we can't wait anymore and we don't have any more time. Right. And that's something that Gio has said, you know, there's been so many points dropped this year that at this point now it's, it's, it's a do or die type situation, um, for, for the team. Um, you know, on the field, you, you mentioned, you know, not being able to necessarily put it all together. Um, 
what what are some of the the big things that have stood out to you um just as as far as areas that can be improved in order for this final stretch to to sort of be as successful as you want it to be yeah i think you know and sometimes it is it is hard to just put your finger on exactly what 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 it is um I think, you know, opposite to some previous years, I, I think we've seen some stronger defensive performances where I think we're showing more balance. You know, when I say that, I'm speaking of the entire group that's on the field, but I think we've seen more balance in, in that side of our game than we probably have in years past. And I think at times we're just not as as dangerous or calculated, you know, or concise as we need to be in the final third of times. And I do still think it's a league where goals change games, you know, goals take off the pressure, you know, from, from mistakes and other moments. And I don't think we've been consistent enough in that area at times throughout the season, you know, which could maybe take some pressure off the group. And I think probably in some of those opportunities that we've, we've missed out on and and not gotten results that we've wanted to in stretches, you know, that can probably be at least one thing that would be pointed at. And recent reporting uh, indicated that, you know, an important aspect of that defensive success, Christian Paredes, uh, is somebody who uh, the club turned down a a transfer offer of of about $2.2 million, which is a hefty sum, obviously, for any player. Um, And and something that, you know, based on that reporting would indicate that the club values Christian, that they, they, you know believe he's not only important to the current team, but somebody that they believe in for the future. Um, what can you say about him maybe? And, and the, the decision, if you're able to speak to it, uh, to, to, I guess, decline an offer of that magnitude. Yeah, it, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't an easy decision. And I think it's actually something that would have made sense on a lot of levels for everyone involved, both uh, our club and, and Christian probably in his individual situation you know, and he's grown and he's improved and developed, you know, during his, his time here. So it's not a surprise that there's other clubs, you know, that would take an interest in him. But in that moment, you know, with the injuries we've had in that position, you know, I think to, to accept that now and for him to leave us, it's really hard to believe that, you know, everything we're preaching on, we can still get something out of this season is possible by losing a player like that. And at the time, you know, not having a, a capable, you know, replacement or just even another option, um, which is why we added Brian Acosta in the league. So I, I think I've said Christian's a great professional. I think he, he's, he's played a major role with us over the years, and we've had strong competition in that position. Uh, it hasn't always been clear that this player will start or that player will start. It's which player is in form and is giving us the best look. And at the very least, you can say with the injuries that we've had, Christian has seized his opportunity and I think shown his worth and his value, you know, not just with us, but, but elsewhere. And you mentioned uh, Brian Acosta as, as one of the additions from the transfer window, obviously a trade with, with the Rapids, um, two other moves this window, including Miguel Araujo, who joined the club uh, pretty early on in the window deal was, was essentially finished before the window opened. Uh, and then the addition of Anthony, a, a young Brazilian winger uh, who, who figures into the U 22 initiative for the club. Um, I'm wondering your thoughts on, on the transfer window overall. And, and then those three individual guys as, as they join the team. 
Yeah, I think, well, use the word success, right, uh, with, with the transfer window. I, I, I back off that a little bit, and the, the word I've used is pleased because we had a clear plan in place, and I do think we carried that out and executed that, you know, at, at a high level. Now, we still need players to come in. We still, still need players to settle. We ultimately want those players to help us, you know, and to do well, and, and some of it time will tell, you know, with, with each acquisition. But I do think we were able to to accomplish what we set out to. Um, and all three different players in different positions. I think Miguel on the back gives us another very, very good option at a good age. Um, I think this year you've also seen a partnership growing over the course of the season between Dario Zuprich and Zach McGraw. So it's not going to be easy for a player at this stage in the season just to break in. But I do think that he's going to get opportunities and show what he's capable of. You know, the acquisition and the trade uh, with Brian Costa in Colorado, you know, within MLS, we needed a proven player. We, we needed an experienced player that could come in and give us another guy that if has to start at any moment, the level hopefully does not drop. I think we have that with him, Brian, um, who's built a really, really strong career, both inside MLS, outside and at the international level. So I think we're happy with that. Um, and then I think, you know, we look at a, a young acquisition and another attacking player, that hopefully gives us a different look and, and someone that hopefully will be in the club, you know, long-term as well. Um, Anthony's an exciting player. Um, he has great pace and great ability to stretch defenses and get in behind. I think when we look at some of the other players that we have, you know, sort of underneath that front line, we have some playmaking ability with some different players, whether that's a Santi, you know, whether that's an Evander, whether that's a Yimmy Chara that has parts of that to his game. This is a player that's looking to get in behind and can hurt defenses that way. And I think that's a strong, strong acquisition for us uh, on a lot of levels. Um, probably the most difficult one to achieve uh, of the three, but I think we're excited about, you know, all three of them right now and, and what they give us going forward as we push, you know, to try and make the playoffs. Right. And, you know, before all this, uh, you know, your office was able to to make an acquisition and adding Jack Dodd, uh, a perspective that, you know, is, is important to have as somebody who's, who's been around the league and um, is playing a key role in your office. How has um, adding Jack uh, helped your office kind of round things out and, and sort of, um, you know, have a more complete group? Yeah, well, his, I mean, his acquisition, extremely important, um, you know, and I had said back at the time when we realized that, uh, you know, Jack was going to be joining us. These are sometimes the additions to clubs behind the scenes that aren't talked about that much because it's obviously the product that you see on the field and players that excite fans the most. But Jack was also brought in to help us build things out, you know, so it's not just bring Jack in and, and sit still. There's work that we need to do within the scouting department as well. You know, we need to expand and, and grow things out. Jack's going to play a major, major role in, in helping us do that. You know, and I'm, I'm someone with a firm belief that, you know, you may only do something one time. If you could do it once, try and do it right. You know, and so even if you've got to be a bit patient, you know, with some of the hires that we'll look to make, some of the pieces that we'll look to add, you want to have really, really strong conviction that it's the right person. They understand what the project and the plan looks like. They fit within the culture. Jack's done that seamless. I think all staff are probably glad that we've made uh, that hire and that addition to the group, uh, you know, and obviously look forward to, to working with Jack and his time in the club. And I think he's going to have a big impact. 
Definitely. And, you know, off air, you mentioned that, that yourself, Jack and the rest of your office are, are looking, um, looking to the future at this point, looking to 2024. Um, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, what the, the priority moves potentially are for, for that period, uh, for this off season and, and going forward, uh, and, and, you know, what, what these sort of moving parts and pieces might look like for, for fans who are unfamiliar. Yeah. I think the way that this off season is going to, is going to set up for us and, and maybe a, a bit different than in years past is I do think that there could be quite a few moving parts. Um, I think we've had clubs both within MLS and elsewhere, you know, show some interest in some of our players, I think competing against, you know, two of the better clubs, um, you know, from Mexico is also potentially going to drive further interest. And so I think we need to be ready. We need to be on our toes. Some of it is constantly succession planning with some players, you know, you could lose at some point because of, you know, how well that they've done. So some of it for us is just being strategic in terms of where some of those potential changes, you know, could come. We've obviously got some players returning from injury as well. Um, You know, David Ajala and Eric Williamson, both getting injured in the beginning uh, part of the year will hopefully be on track for us you know, to, to be able to join in preseason in, in some way, some of it's monitoring that the health of them and then looking to strengthen the group overall. Um, now, I would also say the next 11 games is also going to show us, you know, are we a little bit closer to where we want to be with maybe one, you know, strong, strong addition? Or do we need to, you know, further assess? And are there bigger changes that need to happen within the roster and a few other places? So, um, time will tell in, in some ways, uh, but then other than that, I think it's, you know, having an awareness of where, you know, some potential shifts within the roster could come from. Are there positions maybe that, that you have a, a keener eye on than others right now and any, um, any types of additions that you might be looking at more specifically uh, at this point? I think, you know, looking at the group right, right now, I, I do think we have, I think we've done well with some of our younger acquisitions, you know, and how we've utilized some of those U22 slots. Um, We have as a club, you know, over the last 18 months or so, some of it with cap restrictions, but that's been a majority of our additions have been those young players. I do think in in some ways we, we, we lack maybe another player that's in the prime of his career, you know, that can help just drive the team, whether that's in the attacking part of the group um, whether that's in the middle part of the group, I, I do think that will be a major focus of ours is, you know, how do we find a player that is just, you know, in the prime of their career, has the right personality and characteristics to help drive and lead the team. And, you know, I, I'm uh, 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 in belief that it's probably less, you know, amounts of things to add and where is maybe, you know, the next really, really important player both on and off the field that we can inject into this group. Right. And, you know, coming into this off season, there are some expiring contracts that are, that are players that you can part ways with through options and, and everything else. Um, what, what do you make of that level of flexibility uh, for, for the team and how it, it would maybe drive decision-making uh, as far as uh, this off season and the different potential moves? Yeah, I think we're in a healthy position going into next year. Um, I think we've, you know, we, we haven't maybe had that same flexibility in years past. Keep in mind, we also had a team and, 
we were maximizing everything that was was doing well, um, you know, in, in previous years and, and competing for for MLS Cups and in the playoffs consistently. So I think that's at least a positive for us. That that's why I also felt you know good about how we navigated the previous window because I feel that we were able to to make the right short term and long term additions, you know, to this group without really, really impacting, you know, where we could be a year or two from now. So I do think we'll have flexibility, but it's, uh, as you've probably seen, I just think from, from this previous window, there was a lot of action, you know, throughout the league, a lot of additions of teams, a lot of teams moving players, um, you know, and I think we, we've got to constantly be ready as well that at any moment, you know, we could have another offer for one of the players that we value highly on this team, but it may make sense and we may need to look to replace that player. And, you know, earlier um, in this uh, summer, you know, there there was a bit of a, a public, I guess, not scuffle, but an issue with uh, with Santiago Moreno, who, who, who spoke out um, through various channels and, and uh, eventually came out and said he did not request a transfer that he um you know, he's moving on from his agent and, you know, he's still with the team at this point after, after everything that went on, I'm wondering how things are in terms of, of that situation, uh, the team's relationship with Santi and, um, what they envision in terms of his, his future here. Yeah. I think some of this has been touched on, you know, publicly, um, and, and even after the fact, but look, I, I would stay firm with what I had said before, you know, I think it, it was unfortunate. Um, I think some of it was handled poorly, but at the same time, you know, we've never changed our belief in Santi as a person, as a player, and he has all the potential in the world. I think if you look at his performance that he had last match, you know, and playing in a, a slightly different role for, for our group, I thought he was tremendous uh, in that game and had a big influence on the game. So I would still say it's about trying to figure these things out, right? Um, you know, it's not the first professional player in the history of sports uh, that's maybe wanted to see a, a different contract or a new contract. We've continued to try to look at different ways, you know, to find those improvements. Um, you know, but Santi's someone that we value and he's someone that's important for our team. And of course that there's a strong relationship there, including from the time that uh, we brought him a few years ago, you know, from Columbia. So I think it's uh, right now there, there, there needs to be a huge focus both on from him and us as a club in supporting him and getting him back to that top level, which I think we saw last game and doing it consistently. You know, some of these things sometimes can feel like they, they take forever, but reality is there'll be time to, to, to find these fixes, you know, and, and to make sure that he's happy and, and he's seeing improvements maybe that he needs to. Right. So those those contract negotiations are ongoing right now, essentially. I think it, ongoing. I mean, I think that at this point, all the information has been shared on just where we stand at this point. Right. Um, we're constantly tasked with, you know, how do we continue to build a really strong team? But then at the same time, you know, make sure that we have players that are taken care of and are happy. It's a it's a fine balance. It's it's not the easiest thing in the world. But at the same time. Um, you know, we've got a whole locker room of players that have gone through similar circumstances, you know. So once again, I, I, I wish that uh, a month or two ago, things probably would have been handled a little bit differently and, and they didn't, uh, you know, become public in that way. But I think it's a learning experience probably for everyone involved. And 
we look forward. I, I feel great about where Santi's at right now. And uh, I, I don't see any issues. For sure. Um, it seems right now that there's, there's a sea change happening in MLS that, um, you know, the, the arrival of Lionel Messi has, has been sort of this access point for the league uh, on which it, it may shift, you know, irreversibly in the way that it did when David Beckham showed up. Um, you know, from your perspective as somebody who is in a front office for an MLS team, um, do you envision major roster rule changes happening in the near future and what might those look like and how might that change your approach? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question. And I think, you know, the longer that, that Messi's here and the more that we see this, you know, there'll probably be some speculation on how does this ultimately, you know, help the league evolve and, and where are those potential changes you know, coming for a league that's continued to grow at a, at a, at a rapid pace. Um, I think it, what you look at what my inner Miami has done just within this past window and, and, and Messi's obviously the biggest part of that, but just overall, and I mean, you kind of sit back and you're like, okay, maybe MLS is going into a, a new phase, you know, in a new era. Um, you know, time will tell what some of that looks like, but I think it's a competitive league. You know, that does drive competition uh, throughout MLS as well. Um, and, and clearly everyone can see the massive impact that he's had just in a handful of games as well. Um, so it's it's exciting. And I say exciting because I'm in the Western Conference, you know, so I can, I can be kind of excited and, and watch from afar um, in maybe a little bit different way than maybe in Atlanta or in Orlando you know, or Nashville are, are, are watching um, from, from their side. Um, but it, it, listen, it's a huge, huge story for MLS and it's got eyeballs from all over the world now watching, um, you know, him and watching the league. And now I think it's about how does the league maximize it on it, you know, and, and this uh, potential, you know, and, and going forward and where do those changes come? Um, it'll be interesting to see for sure. And from your perspective, and this is something that we've talked about when you've been on the podcast before, but, you know, from your perspective, what types of changes would you like to see that would help a team like Portland or, or other other similar teams in similar markets with, you know, maybe similar ownership structures uh, around the league? What, what, what would you like to see in an ideal world? Yeah, I think you'll always look, you're always going to at least first sort of look at your individual club, right, and situation and where could those potential tweaks and changes, you know, come in that would maybe, you know, benefit your club a little bit more than others. Um, but then I think just when I look at it from a league perspective, it does feel like to me that we're at a stage in MLS where I, I do think we can look to take the training wheels off in some ways. I do think that we can simplify some of the roster rules. I do think that we can still find a way to have parity you know, with an MLS, which I, I know is, you know, always an, an important talking point. Um, but I do think some of these these rules within the salary cap, within the allocation money and how you choose to spend your money, I think if those training wheels come off a little bit, you'll just have clubs, you know, sort of using the money and building a roster specific to, to how they want and to their market and ultimately how they want to be successful. Um, I think that that trend in that direction has been ongoing over the last four or five years. 
Uh, I do think some of these things need to be revisited. Uh, and I, like I said, I, I do think that there's a way to just simplify it overall, whether that's, you know, you get a handful of slots to use towards designated players that drive the league and the rest of the money is just use it how you want. Um, but yeah, I, I do think in some ways we probably need less restrictions at this point. And let's say those training wheels do come off and, and the league opens up in a way that we haven't seen before, you know, more freedom of spending. Um, how, how would a Portland, I guess, keep pace with the rest of MLS, particularly the, the bigger market teams or, or the teams with um, ultra billionaire owners who are willing to, to toss money left and right in the way that you, you know, you've seen an example of it uh, even before these rule changes have happened with Jorge Mas in, in Miami, um, you know, bringing in p- players of the caliber of like Jordi Alba, Sergio Busquets, in addition to the obvious with Lionel Messi. Um, how does a Portland keep pace with maybe some of the, some of the bigger markets and, and deeper pockets that may exist around the league? Yeah. And it's, you know, probably not just Portland asking that question, looking at what's happened in Miami. There's probably a number of teams that say, you know, if this were to happen or, you know, that was to happen, how do we potentially tweak our model? You know, I think we probably actually would stay, you know, on, on a similar route and path that, that we're on. You know, now I do think that, you know, bringing players in the front half of their career for us, getting them to settle in MLS and ultimately grow and improve can open up a different marketplace for us as well. I do think we need to, you know, enter a world in which, you know, we're moving a player, you know, every year and and hopefully bringing in a return um, because that's only going to generate, you know, further spending. Um, So, I think just with what we've built and the way we've gone about it, it has been very specific to, to, to our market. I, I wouldn't, I don't think that we would change, you know, that much. It might just be, you know, how do we further push and where can we maybe make that, that, that one or two big injections that we think, you know, is ultimately going to help, uh, you know, change the, the, the course of the club going forward because, I still think we like a lot of our pieces. I still think that we have solid depth in a lot of different areas, but, you know, we, we do need to have the results to match, you know, and we do need to show that we're capable of competing, uh, you know, to win something. And I think we're on track to do that, um, but we have to continue to try to build and push. Right. Teams like Portland may be in a different situation than, than you know, an LAFC or a Miami where um, th- those teams – are maybe going to keep keep shelling out in the short term for for the bigger names and the bigger dollar numbers whereas a, a team like Portland or, or similar ones may you know acquire younger players to, you know flip them for for bigger numbers down the road and start to sort of build this this base of, of money to spend on on players closer to their prime is is that sort of the the vision that you you maybe imagine yeah. for that scenario yeah, I think, you know, if you also look at some of the, the bigger clubs, you say bigger markets, but but ones that are maybe spending at the highest, you know, levels, they also at times will spend to get themselves out of potential bad contracts, decisions that maybe haven't worked out. I still I still would go back to you do need to try and assemble a strong core group that is together over the course of, 
three to five years where that familiarity is built up, that trust is built up, that belief within a team is built up. And if you look throughout MLS, just because you have more money to spend in a certain market, doesn't always mean that that success comes with it as uh, as well. And at times, sometimes they they may feel that they have to make changes too quick in certain situations and they're not being able to see that core sort of take place and in, in solidify. So it can go both ways. You know, you've got some teams probably spending money um, and a lot of it in doing it very wisely. I think you could probably look at LAFC. Um, that's been quite strong over the past couple of years. But then you've also have a model like Philadelphia, you know, and they've certainly got a very, very good culture and environment there. Um, and I think that they can play with anybody, you know, on their day as well. So I think we probably would look more towards the, the, the Philadelphia model and how do we have that consistent core in place, you know, with a clear identity of what we are and, and who we want to be and how we play. Um, but, you know, they, they can still compete, you know, and so it's not out of the realm of thinking that if they do make some changes, you know, within the roster guidelines, um, that teams that maybe aren't spending in the top five can't compete. Uh, definitely not true. And we'll definitely still look to, to do that. Last question for you. Um, have, have you had an opportunity lately to, to visit any good restaurants? Any, any recommendations or uh, either, either here in Portland or, or maybe elsewhere uh, on the road uh, and anything that stands out to you? This is a common question. I, I tend yeah, to, no, last to time I think we touched on some food <laughs> and my Chicago upbringing. Yeah. I think we hit on pizza a little bit. Um, the one that stands out to me because – I had some people in and around the office bragging about their new favorite restaurant and how many times they'd been there. And I was thinking to myself, like, you know, in the middle of summer, I'm like, I don't even remember the last time in Portland. Like, I just went out and had a great dinner. So I went to a restaurant called Jenkin in Portland, and I thought it was phenomenal, um, different and unique, like a lot of the Portland restaurants are. Uh, for me, that was one of the, the, the better meals that I've had you know, within the past, uh, you know, past few months. Um, but I'm also, I'm a pretty big cook at, at home, Ryan. I like to do a lot of cooking. My wife does as well, you know, so we're not constantly going out to restaurants uh, all the time, but, but Jenkin was one that stood out for me the last couple of months. Yeah. I've had a chance to actually go out there, went there for a father's day brunch with my dad. It was, it was insane. Great place. No, no, nothing more more to say than that from my perspective. Yeah, Probably I can only imagine now. how uh, how well the brunch uh, the brunch was put on. Yeah, yeah, chefs don't usually like to do brunch, but they they sure knocked it out of the park. And um, you know, for for you for cooking, I mean, what, what what's your what are your go tos? What 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 are like your big recipes that you that you nail? So I've got the homemade pizza because I'm a Chicago guy. So I've got the homemade pizza thing down. I've got the entire kit. You know, I've got uh, the pizza stones and the special rollers and the cutters. Um, now the secrets are in the ingredients and you'd like to think that if you're going to make your own pizza at home, it's probably cheaper, you know, or more cost efficient to, to, to order. That's not necessarily the case because you got to spend on the right ingredients because ingredients make everything, you know, and then you've got to keep a, a couple of the small steps to yourself as well. Right. So, my wife loves to cook as well. I don't want to give her every single piece of information because once she can replicate what I can do, then my, my pizza doesn't become so special anymore. You know, so 
but we spread it out. We do a lot of different things. Um, but, but right now in my household, um, you know, my kids are constantly asking for, for my homemade pizzas, which is by the way, is, is giving me a lot more work every few weeks, um, in the evening time, because now they never want to order pizza anymore, you know, on a Friday evening when, when, when I'm tired, uh, you know, and getting home after work, they, they want that homemade pizza. Um, so it's definitely put a, a little bit more on my shoulders. Is it like a wood fired, like Neapolitan style? Or are we talking like deep, like a OG deep dish Chicago style pizza here? So it, it's, it was, I would say it's a little bit in between, you know, the thin and the thick crust. Um, you know, that deep dish is, they got that down to a science. So I'm not sure I can compete with that, but no, you know, I've looked at the, the pizza ovens and all that, but in all honesty, um, I've got a gas grill, but then I've got a Traeger. And the Traeger does the pizzas on the pizza stones very well. And so I think once you find something that works, don't mess with it too much. Just continue to work at it and perfect it. And I'm getting closer and closer to doing that, I think. Much like building a soccer team, one one could say. Uh, maybe the, there's a little metaphor to be found in there. But uh, Ned, Ned Grabovoy, thank you very much for, for joining us today. Appreciate the time, as always. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Soccer Maiden PDX, and then myself at Ryan T. Clark. Like us, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, once again, Ned, thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks a lot, Ryan. Thanks for having me.